the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot more information that we can Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast, exploring the future with trailblazing women and girls in emerging tech, XR, AI, and futurism. Science and technology are reshaping our world at lightning speed. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Welcome to We Get Real AF, everyone. I'm Vanessa Alava. And I'm Sue Robinson. Please go ahead and hit subscribe. We have amazing boss babe guests every single Tuesday and really practical professional development tips in our Profesh Sesh mini podcast released every Thursday. And if you want to help us keep our mission of inspiring women and girls in STEM going, reach out to us at Sue and Vanessa at WeGetRealAF.com to talk about how you can help be a sponsor. Yes, indeed. Well, we are so excited to welcome today's guest and dig into an area we've been eager to cover, finance education. Sue and I are always researching things that we find interesting or that we wish existed. And one of those many things is a finance education tech tool that would teach young adults the practical, everyday, real-life finance skills that they don't teach in high school or the university level. Well, guess what, folks? It's coming soon in the form of an app called Capri. Capri is the brainchild of the incredibly talented fintech entrepreneur, Nicole Hartwig. Nicole's goal was to design a financial literacy education app for young women, which she is now making happen. We are not the only ones excited for this tool. Nicole has been recently featured in Forbes and has been spreading the word about creating more confidence and changing mindsets when it comes to money and financial decisions. We are so happy to have her with us today to learn more. Nicole, welcome to WeGraph. Welcome. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. That was like the best intro ever. I'm flattered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are really excited to have you. And I'm just going to say right now, as the mom of three young women in their 20s, like financial planning and financial wisdom, Mm -hmm. I'm all about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Amen. So before we start, Nicole, if you wouldn't mind, where can our listeners connect with you online? Absolutely. So we're very active on Instagram. That's a great place to find us, at capri.money. And our website is the same. So http colon slash slash www.capri.money is where you can find us on the web. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's start at the very top. What is Capri? Great question. Let's start there. (laughs) Capri is really female-focused financial education. And what we're doing at Capri is providing what we think is a holistic financial education, which is equal parts mechanics and hard skills, so understanding exactly how budgeting works, credit scores work, credit cards work, but also the soft skills, right? The confidence, the money mindset, the looking at those money stories that you're harboring from your childhood and how those are impacting you today. So it's really about holistic financial health and long-term sustainable financial wellness specifically for women. I love that you said financial health because it's so true. Just like every aspect of your life, you know, we talk about body, mind, all of the things. Financial health is so important, and I love the way you articulated that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Why separate out young women from men? Like what are some specific areas where you feel like your service and your app are particularly targeted to young women? Absolutely. Well, that's so for me, that's really a two part question. It's like, why are we serving women? Why is that important? And how are we serving women? And how is that different than serving men? So, the first part of that is why focus on young women? And really, the story that we tell at Capri is that young women are disadvantaged when it comes to money from the day that we're born. <laughs> it's sad, but true. Uh, you know, most of us are are pretty well aware of the gender pay gap. But what we don't really talk about is that the gender pay gap doesn't start when women walk into the work world after they've finished college. It actually starts the moment that we are making money in exchange for work. Um, studies show that young girls are paid sometimes half of what boys are paid for the same household chores. 
So we're talking, this is, this is, this runs deep. This doesn't start after you graduate college, you, you're negotiating your first salary. This is, this is way back into your childhood. And it, of course, is a common thread that runs through your entire life. Women are just disadvantaged when it comes to money in the way that we're spoken to about money. You know, you've probably heard um, sitting around the dinner table, you know, don't worry about money because your husband is going to handle that. Um, don't worry about money. You don't, you don't have to think about things like that. It's, it's taboo to talk about. It's tacky to talk about. Those are things that women hear that men don't hear. And those compound you know, throughout your life, throughout your childhood, throughout your adolescence, by the time that you enter the work world, you're carrying around a, a lifetime worth of stories about how money, uh, how, how women are supposed to think about money and supposed to talk about money. And those things impact you for the rest of your life. So we are, um, we're addressing really sexism as it relates to money in, in what it is that we're doing. And so the, that's sort of the first part of the story is, what, you know, why focus on young women? Well, young women are the ones that need help. Um, you know, the other part of that is how do we do that? How do we create a product that is specific for young women? And really the answer is we're designing from, first of all, our own experience. And we're, we're designing using something that your listeners are probably super familiar with, which is user-centered design. You know, we're really speaking to our user and, and asking for what they need and designing a product around that. So how often do we use products that are geared toward everybody in the whole world? Mm. And we feel left out of that. We feel left out, right? Mm -hmm. We feel mm -hmm. like that product wasn't made for it. I think we can all probably think about financial tools that we use or have seen that feel cold and um, definitely not tailored to us and the way that we see the world or the things that we have to to think about and deal with. You know, one of the biggest things that we talk about is the fact that women bear the brunt of so much domestic work and then, of course, have to plan for childbearing years in their career. This is like a huge piece of women and money, women's relationship with money. Well, who's addressing that? You know, the, the, there aren't many large financial institutions that are addressing things like that. So we're speaking to our user. We really have this gift of being able to speak directly to a specific user. Our target demographic isn't everyone under the sun. It's women that have, that, you know, deal with sort of these common um, challenges that are common to all, to all women. So it's actually great for us to have a niche our, you know, market and audience because it really allows us to deeply tailor what we're designing for specifically for the experience of women, young women, women in college, early in their careers, late into their careers. So that is really how we're different in that we are user-centered design specifically for this group. Designed for women by women. By I women. love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as we know, it, whether that be a Mars versus Venus thing, women do think differently. And uh, to your point, it starts at a very young age, uh, the way we're spoken to, our experiences. So I love that. When we spoke about bringing you on, Nicole, we had a conversation about the three main functions of the app and what their importance is. Do you mind covering those for us? So the the core of what we do, our core mission is we're an ed tech company. You know, we hang out in the fintech space, but we're an ed tech company. And th the core heart of what we do is education, financial education. That's really where we believe that the big impact is made. You know, how many of us sort of walk around the world and have no idea what some of this financial jargon means. And then you feel dumb for asking, you know? So this is really the core of what we do is we we educate women on all things personal finance. Anything that as an individual person that you touch in your day-to-day -day life when it comes to money is something that we cover. So the education piece of our product, and our product is an app, is a library of a, a huge library, actually a, nearly a hundred video classes covering all things under the umbrella of personal finance. And you can find those all in our app. So that's the education piece. That's the heart and soul of what we do. But I like to think about our product as a triangle. So at the top of that triangle is that education piece. It's the heart, the soul, the mission. 
It's really what the product is built around. But that needs support pieces, right? So at the the two bottom points of that triangle are financial tools. For us, that's a budgeting tool in the first version of the product. And the other part is community. You know, we really need to break down how taboo it is to talk about money. And we do that by talking about money, <laughs> right? We do that by doing the thing that's scary that we're taught not to do. What a novel <laughs> right? idea. <laughs> right? We, ha- we have to really, I-, I call it, you know, witness and be witnessed. It's important to witness other women along their financial wellness journeys, just as it's important for us to be witnessed along our own personal financial wellness journeys. So that is really the sort of three-part um, breakdown of what the product is. It's education, but it's also offering financial tools and this ability for users to connect with one another in the space and witness and be witnessed you know, on their, on their own financial wellness journeys. I love that. And I think so much of what culture tells us our value is, is wrapped up in money, right? And how much money we make. And there's a lot of shame kind of inherently with that. If you don't understand finances or um, talking about your income or how you spend your money, all those things kind of have a lot of judgment around them. And so the idea of building up a supportive community where women can learn from each other and say, you know, hey, I, I don't really know very much about this area or how should I, how should I think about investing or saving, you know, Drawing on the resources of other women just seems like such an awesome way to combat that sort of cultural narrative of shame and privacy around finance that ultimately puts women in particular at a disadvantage, right? Because if you don't have access to that knowledge and that information, then y- your employer knows more about about that and, and the, you know, other people know more than you do. And, mm-hmm. and it's just you're kind of in the dark. So that's not a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love that this caters to women, but let's peel back another layer here. The fact that this type of information, real life information is not shared in grade school, high school, mm-hmm. or college level is absolutely absurd, especially now. And I mean, I I just haven't seen or heard that anything is different now. I remember I took an economics class back in the day. I think I was maybe a junior in high school. That was it. And yeah, I had some information. You know, we had projects where we had to find an apartment in the newspaper and how are you going to pay for your rent if you make X amount? And so you, you had that project, but it didn't go into when you say financial wellness what is a healthy mindset about finances? How much should you be saving? You know, what is compound interest? What is a credit score? How does it affect you? You know, I literally remember when I was in college, or actually I had just graduated college. I was on my own officially. And I went and I bought Susie Orman. Yes, Susie Orman's the OG. The uh, book for the young and uh, broke and fabulous or young, fabulous and broke. That was me at that time. And it literally broke it down like a fraction. Like this is what this is. And you didn't have to really read the book from cover to cover, although I did. You could pick up like see what you wanted to learn about and go to that section and read about it in in segments. Um, And I just thought it was brilliant. It really shed light on a lot of things that my parents just, I guess, thought I would learn in school or whatever the case. But uh, I I think this is brilliant what you're doing. I really do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. It's so true. Last I checked, I think 29 of 50 states require some, a single class in high school on you know, on, on financial literacy. And of course, we know how loose that is, right? We know that you can probably swap that class out for an accounting class, which is, of course, incredibly valuable, but not the same thing. Mm-mm. And how much are we missing when it comes to practical financial education? And that, yeah. was, that was always the mission of Capri. And it, of course, that stems from my own experience, you know, having somebody in my family who who did teach me practical financial education. We're not talking about going and getting a business degree and going to work at Goldman Sachs and working in finance. That it's a different kind of finance. We're talking personal, you know, finance, practical financial literacy. It's just nowhere to be found. <laughs> it blows my mind, but it's nowhere to be found. And we all need it. We all need it, but women especially need it. Women especially need it. You know, we are we are 
you know, sometimes we divorce our spouses. Sometimes we outlive our spouses. Mm -hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. are planning for childbearing years. All We have all of these sort of challenges, unique challenges stacked against us. We need to understand the mechanics and be able to, as with all things, advocate for ourselves. So I have a question for you. How early should we start talking to our daughters about finances? And what are some things that we can do even for really young kids. I mean, I know a lot of parents have like allowances for their kids, but from a budgeting and from an understanding the value of money standpoint, do you have some tips for parents at different milestones along the child rearing journey that they could start implementing with their kids, especially their daughters? Yes. I think that's such a great question. You know, oftentimes what I hear from parents, and I'll just claim this by saying I am not yet a parent myself, though I look forward to that day. Um, And I bow down to all mothers and parents out there uh, trying to teach their kids all the things that they need to, to, to learn and survive in the world. But certainly money is so important. And oftentimes what I hear from parents is, you know, I'm, uh, first of all, parents are doing the best that they can. And they're thinking, I'm teaching my kids about, you know, when, I, when we're at the store, I'm explaining to them that they have a certain budget for, you know, buying a certain thing. And that's sort of where the education stops. And to me, that's, you know, that's great. Look, anything, anything helps, right? Any, any conversation is great. But the conversation that we focus on at Capri is really about money mindset and and mechanics. So yes, it's important for your kids to know, you know, mom and dad can't just afford a, a million things at Target when we go there. You know, you can't just buy 10 toys. You have to pick one, you know, or, and here's why. Or here's an allowance and here's what you can afford with, with your allowance. So of course, you know, it's important for them to understand that. But it's as important, if not more important, to hear them, to, for them to hear you talk about money in a way that is um, positive and confident, um, and really impart those those money stories about um, you know abundance and about confidence early in their life. You know, we talk a lot at Capri about money stories, and many of us can relate to you know sort of sitting around the dinner table, as I said, and hearing our parents say something like who do you think is going to pay for your college? Or people like us don't have things like that. People like us don't go to college. Or the worst one is, you know, don't worry about about money because your husband is going to handle that. But there are so many of these sort of little stories that we pick up along the way that we learn kind of by osmosis, right? We're not necessarily sat down as kids and told like, you shouldn't touch money because your husband is going to handle that. You hear that more like in bits and pieces along the way when you're young. So building those positive stories when your kids are young about money, you know, and explaining to them how things work and using real world examples is going to help them to have a, a more holistic understanding about money. And you'd be surprised how young kids can really start to understand, you know, pretty complex concepts around money. You know, around seven years old, that's that's a really formative time for them to understand the mechanics of money and banking and where money is stored and how credit works. So you can really start to talk to your kids early on. But even if you're not talking about those sort of complex mechanics, you can be building those confident money stories for them, especially for young girls. Like you can you can do this career, you can do that career, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. You know, those kinds of stories are going to help them develop the kind of confidence around money that that boys are sort of given in our culture, right? So it's going to help them to sort of catch up to that level of abundance and anything is possible that we already know that that boys are hearing. That's especially true. I I have a four-year-old and she's obviously during everything that we've experienced last year and a half, seen us working from home. And a piece of that is, why is it a work day? Why is it a work day again? And I explained to her, well, you know, the things that we have, the food that we eat, it costs money. And she's already starting to piece it together in her head. And she has like a little piggy bank um, that she's been given money by grandparents or us or whatever. And she's putting it away. And everyone that comes over, she's like, I've got a piggy bank. And they're like, oh, what are you going to buy? And we're like, oh, she's saving, you know. (laughs) Um, But absolutely, you know, I think that she gets really inquisitive. But to your point about, you know, she'll also say, oh, mommy, I want this. We need to buy this, you know? And I said, oh, well, you know, we have to work in order to 
fight these things. <laughs> right. We certainly can, but we have to save and work, and and that's how you get paid. You, you know, the, your employer gives you money. Um, but absolutely, I always love teaching her and leading by example whenever we can. But also, um, finding other resources is always a great thing. I really think from a from a sort of high level, sort kind of strategic perspective, ex- it's it's just about exposure. It's like it's it's about pulling back the curtain for them, right? Yeah. And, and, and exactly as you're saying, and showing them day to day what what that means, what that looks like, so that they can start to connect those dots. And I just think that's the best teacher, right? You're their yeah. you're their you're their whole world, and their whole role model, and their whole understanding of of how the world works. So the more that you and we can talk around young children about mm-hmm. money and just demystify it. That's that that is part of solving that long-term problem of making it so that these concepts aren't like scary and overwhelming by the time you like stumble out of college and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you find yourself like uh, not knowing what APR is on, you know, a, a, and that sort of thing. So demystifying Absolutely. those things, bringing them along for the ride seems like um, a wonderful way to, to, well, for free to teach your kids about money. Just bring them along for the ride. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to you after Capri is launched and is in full flush that uh, you're doing the same thing for insurance, health insurance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. There's an opportunity there. Since we've talked about young girls, I have a daughter who just graduated from college. And it's so funny, Vanessa, because when you said, you know, you hear Andy say, well, why can't we have, you know, why can't I spend on this or, blah, you know, I feel like those same questions are asked <laughs> by much, like, where does the money come from? So um, my question for you, Nicole, would be what are like three tips that you would give to a young woman who's just now graduating from college? She has her first job. What does she need to be doing right away? If she's never really had to worry about money before, now she's responsible for it herself. Oh my gosh. First of all, what an exciting time. Let's yeah. just all imagine a time when the slate is clean. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's just meditate on that moment exactly. of, of newfound yeah. freedom. Um, that's such an exciting time. And I think, you know, it is, it's important to say, and this is something that we always acknowledge at Capri, is that money has a lot of emotional baggage for people, right? Because Everybody is starting from a different place when it comes to money. So, you know, some some young women are, like you're saying, they're graduating from college. By the way, congrats to your daughter. Thank you. She's listening. <laughs> um, and, you know, everyone's starting in a different place. So some are graduating from college and they have this clean slate. Maybe they have little to no student debt. The world is their oyster. And for that, I would say, incredible. What a beautiful start to your adult life. And that a, a really healthy sort of way to begin that that process is to, you know, to look back and to start understanding what your own kind of identity around money is and what your belief systems around money are. That's a really good and formative time. I mean, any time is a formative time to start thinking about what your relationship to money is. But when you're young and you're that age and you're just sort of starting out and you're looking down that road, um, looking back first and saying, okay, so what was my what was my childhood like? What was my adolescence like? You know, what were the conversations around our dinner table about money? What um, what is my current financial situation? And really, just having that evaluating moment of of understanding where it is that you're sitting because it's going to be different from many other people, right? There are going to be students who are graduating from college who are saddled with, you know, six-figure student debt, who have no idea what they want to do for a job, who are looking at their student loans and saying, how am I going to afford to pay, you know, to pay for these? Um, And just like there are students like that, there are students who are graduating from college free and clear and saying, okay, great, the world is is my oyster. And it's, it's a huge spectrum, right? So for anybody and for any situation that you're in, it's, always healthy at those transition points to reflect to take the time to reflect and look back and before you're before you get geared up to to look forward and really just do that evaluation you know some i i just chatted with i just had a webinar where i spoke to my alma mater at parsons in new york city and spoke to graduating students and the big question was like i'm just overwhelmed i don't even know where to start mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm i'm overwhelmed i'm terrified and my answer is the same for for everybody, no, no matter your 
your specific financial situation. And that is just get clear. Like just take that moment and have that evaluation moment. Create the spreadsheet. You know, lay, print everything out and lay it out in front of you. Pin it up to your to your pin board. Um, whatever it is that works for you, get intimate with your money situation, whatever it is, right? Because that's the work. That, that's the work, right? It, it's really about your relationship to money and how you relate to it and what your identity is. If you if you graduate, you know, from from college and you're like oh my gosh, I'm saddled with student debt. How am I ever going to climb out of this hole? You know, that's that's a heavy burden to bear. Um, and it's really healthy and helpful as with anything, whether you want to, you know, get healthier, whether you want – whatever you want to get healthier with and whatever relationship in your life, it's always a good, a good first step to start with that initial evaluation and just getting honest with yourself. I mean, what do they tell you when – when you want to lose weight, you know, when you talk to a nutritionist, they always say, first, do your food diary for a week. Don't change, don't change your habits. Just, just do a food diary. Just, just write down what it is that you're doing. Just have that evaluation moment and, and really get clear with yourself about what it is that's going on. Then you can take those first steps. And for everybody, those, those first steps will be different. But that's a really strong practice anytime in your life for any big transition is to just get clear on, on what your situation is. You said something really interesting um, in that description, and and it made me think of a vision board. And I, I've heard about you know, you know, we all have thought about doing vision boards for like a career change or fitness or things like that. Um, but I, I could see a vision board being a really helpful thing for planning your finances. Where do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And just showing that visually. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think what's fun about this, and I think this is. This is sort of uh, transcend, transcends industries and topics, but we are all so different in the way that we um, sort of uphold expectations or the way that we, um, you know, approach kind of goal setting or thinking about the future. We're all so different. Some of us, like you're saying, a, a vision board to me is a dream. Like seeing something visually, I, I love that. It's so easy for me to, to connect to that thing. Some people do really well, you know, journaling and writing down on a quarterly basis what it is that their goals are. It really depends on on who you are and sort of in what way you connect to your goals. Um, and that's also a part of this process, right? I think that we like to, you know, sort of what you see a lot in the market is like there's this one-size-fits-all solution and it's perfect for everybody. And it's like everybody should do this thing and then, and then you know, then you'll have this this great relationship to money. But we all know that we're all unique. We're all different, and we're all coming from different backgrounds. So, what it really is, it, as with anything, whether it's your, you know, your financial health, whether it's your physical health, whether it's your relationship health, your mental health, your emotional health, it's about uh, it's about really getting um, getting that relationship right with you as a unique individual. Like at Capri, we do a lot of just encouraging self reflection because at the end of the day. I'm not in your shoes, right? Like I'm not in your financial situation. I'm not carrying the money stories that you have. Those are specific to you and your family and your life. Those things are unique to you, right? And it would be um it would be not only a disservice but it would be a little bit reckless, right? For anybody to say, "Well, this is exactly what it is that that you should do, you know, in whatever situation it is that you have." And so we do a lot of saying, "Look, you are 100% capable of managing your money, of building a healthy relationship with your money, you're absolutely capable of it. You don't need you don't need anything to do that. All you need is to sit down, have those conversations with yourself, get real, just like any other thing that you want to change and make healthier in your life. Now, is it helpful to have a book like Susie Orman? Is it helpful to have an app like Capri? Of course it is. You know, of course we need we need help. Is it helpful to have a community of women where you can see what what they're going through? Of course. Of course, of course, of course. And we need the help and we need the support. And I think we need the guidance. And of course, we need the education, right? Mm-hmm. We need somebody to tell us what the words mean. Um, but what it really comes down to is what kind of relationship do you want to have with money? You know, when you're graduating college, you're dream of all dreams might be to like join the Peace Corps and travel the world and make, you know, 
$30,000 a year and live live a digital nomadic life. And maybe that's your dream. Maybe your dream is to go to medical school. Maybe your dream is to build a billion-dollar company. Like Whatever your dream is, none of those things are wrong, right? They're, it's really just about what do you want? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's – and that's a good question to ask it at any time in your life, right? What is it that I want? What do I want my relationship to money to look to, you know, to be like? What do I want my financial identity to be? I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Clarity, um, knowledge is power. So finding the tools and the resources, and then by doing that, you're building confidence, and that's what mm-hmm. that's all about: is building confidence to know that you can tackle all of these things on your own. How can you apply to be part of the beta testing on the product if that's uh, available? And then when do you anticipate the app to be released? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So anybody can be a beta tester right now. All you have to do is go to capri.money, our website, and there's a big button there that says sign up for the beta and you just give us your email and you'll have access to all of our beta content. Um, You get to test the app and um, you have a curated selection of our financial education classes. Um, So that is available now. And we are launching the first public version of the product by the end of 2021. So we can't wait for that. That's exciting. (laughs) Congratulations. It's like seeing your baby like start start walking, you know, like, yay, it's happening. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations to you. This is is fantastic. Hey, everybody. Sam McLean here from InPhase Audio, audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening. On to you being an amazing, smart woman in tech, fintech, um, education tech, starting your own business from the ground up. Um, if you could kind of walk us through that journey. And even before that, I would love to know how you got interested in this specific space. Because you said, you mentioned in your childhood that you had somebody who kind of inspired you about managing money. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. This entire company is a very personal, very heartfelt mission for me. Um, My now late Aunt Lynn, who passed away about seven years ago, she was my financial role model in my life. And I grew up in a little suburb outside of Detroit. Um, and, you know, we grew up middle class, right? We, we grew up middle class. Uh, my dad had a great job. We never wanted for anything. Um, we grew up, we went to public school. You know, we had normal things. We, we were a middle class family. But my parents grew up with very little. Um, their parents, you know, were, were blue-collar workers, and they did everything they could to provide for their kids, but they had a lot of kids. And, you know, and that was just a different time. Um, so my mom's sister, my Aunt Lynn, started working as a bank teller in our local town at, at a credit union when she was 18 years old. And I don't know if she meant to or not, but she spent her career there. And by the time she passed away, she was VP of that credit union. And so just an incredible, self-taught, ambitious, devoted to her career, fiercely independent woman. So this was my financial role model growing up. So not only did I have one, but she was a woman. She was a fiercely independent woman. And um, she was just an incredible, wise, and generous person who sat me down like pen and paper and just showed me the basic stuff. Like she showed me how to make a budget and she showed me how to set a savings goal. And she showed me what an auto loan was and, you know, how to apply for a loan and what credit scores were. And that was, that was so unique. And of course I knew at the time, my aunt and I were very close. She battled breast and ovarian cancer for 30 years of her life. And um, like I said, passed away about seven years ago. She and I were very close. And I knew that that relationship was incredibly special. But it wasn't until in I was in my 20s, in my career, I had moved to New York City in my early 20s and spent my 20s there, you know, building my career, that I really started to, again, start to reflect on the past, 
and started to pick those, put those pieces together and see how incredibly unique that was and rare. You know, my friends weren't getting the same kind of financial education, sort of that practical financial education from their families as I was. I was like schooling my friends on auto loans and credit scores at 19 years old. You know, that was unique. That was special. And so really the the entire mission of Capri is to make that not special. <laughs> that shouldn't be special. That experience of having somebody take you under their wing and teach you the things that you absolutely need to know for the rest of your life should not be a unique experience. It should not, not be reserved for uniquely fortunate young women. It should be available to all young women. It should be accessible and available and inclusive. Um, and so that is really where the mission of Capri came from, is from a, a deeply personal experience that that I had growing up and, and a really a commitment to paying forward the incredible practical financial education that I received as a young woman and and just just giving that away a hundredfold. So that's that's really the mission of, of what it is that we're doing at Capri. So look, being an entrepreneur, being a, a, a sole female founder is not easy, um, but it helps when you live and breathe your mission. It helps when you are doing something and building something that's bigger than yourself. It helps when you're um, you know, honoring a mission that is deeply important to you. So that's the thing that, you know, that's the driver. That's 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 the driver for me and, and for building Capri. Um, so I started Capri three years ago. And of course, the name for Capri is is rooted in in my aunt Lynn. She was a Capricorn, and true to her Capricorn nature, she was ambitious, just relentless pursuit of her goals, consistent. Nothing got in her way. You know, the mount the the mountain goat climbing the mountain. Nothing, nothing gets in their way. That that was her. And so, what I want is for that energy to to really permeate through everything that we do at Capri and everything that we teach. I want a million little capris out there running around crushing their goals and and you know working towards their dreams. So that's what capri really is, you know, is all about and that's what that name represents. But I started the company 3 years ago. And um I, you know, I I started this just from purely from the mission of this needs to exist. We we need to have more support for young women around money. Um and taking a an idea on a napkin and turning it into a real life functioning company. There's a lot that goes on <laughs> in between those points on on that sort of milestone scale. Um, so I I started by doing what I I knew to uh, to do because I, I had a business degree. I have a business background, um, and that is really starting by talking to your user and understanding what it is that your user needs. So we spent a lot of time before there was anybody else on the team when it was just me at my dining room table, just researching and having conversations with people, talking to parents, talking to women my age, talking to young women about their fears around money, what their burning questions were, what they were scared to ask people, what they felt confident in. Um, and I was I was amazed to learn how much interest there was in this topic and how young women know that they don't know the things they need to know. <laughs> They're very <laughs> aware that they are missing something, that there's something that they really need to, to know and that they, they don't know where to get it. So that was the first big clue. Like, yeah, this is, this is a gap and, and this is something that needs to exist and it's something that we're capable of, of building. And of course, from there, um, we we started building the product, right, from a deep understanding of our user. And I raised money from friends and family. You know, th this is important to say. I don't – when I set out to raise money, I don't have, like, somebody in my family who, you know, is – uh, in private equity. Okay. Like I don't come from that. Uh, you know, my family, Darn it. like, you know, my family are, they are wonderful, incredible middle-class folks who work hard for their money. And there's no like big pot of money sitting anywhere around in my family to tap. So it was a, 
it was a pretty wild journey to think about raising money from my friends and family. But it's important to say this because raising money from ra- raising money and finding investors for your business as a woman is the odds are stacked against you. I'm not going to tell you that it's hard because I don't think that it has to be, and I don't think that it has to be forever. But the, the stats are stacked against you for sure. And it can be a lonely road to go of it alone as a sole female founder. So raising money from friends and family for me meant bringing people along on my journey of what it is that I was creating. That was the most powerful thing that I did in raising money for my company was I just started talking about what we were doing, what I was building. And by the time I had been sharing, and I'm talking about sharing on social media, I'm talking about like, I've got all of 500 followers on Instagram. You know, I'm this is I'm not an influencer. I don't have a million followers. I don't have some kind of, you know, big platform. Um I just started talking to people on social about what it is that I was doing, sharing when I started an accelerator program or sharing when I had some cool breakthrough on a whiteboard, you know, at my school where I was using the whiteboard to, you know, to um map out, you know, the strategic plan for Capri. And by the time I was six months, a year in to sharing with people what I was up to. By the time I went and said, hey, look, I'm I'm building this thing and I need cash to make it run. And here's what I need and here's what I need to pay for. People came back to me and said, I've been following along on your journey and I believe in what you're doing. And I raised $90,000 that way. That's wow. an amount of money that I had no idea was available in my network. Like that's important to say. This is like I said, this is not like I went to Stanford and I just happened to like know all these people who worked at venture <laughs> <Right>. capital firms. <laughs> this is not the story. This is my friends and family from the public school that I went to outside <laughs> of Detroit and you know, and I had friends from high school who invested in my company because they were following along on my journey. They believed in this mission. And I had already built credibility with them by sharing what it is that I was doing from just a very honest, authentic place of just excitement and joy and passion for what I was doing. So I ended up raising $90,000, most of which happened in 2020, which we all know what happened in 2020. Um, Wow, that's impressive. That's crazy. I opened my first fundraising round on March 6th of 2020, which we can all recall what happened at the beginning of March, the world shut down on like March 13th. <laughs> and I was in New York City. The world totally shut down. And I ended up raising, I ended up being able to raise, um, actually exceeded my raise goal for, for my friends and family around. So that was a pretty incredible experience and um, a testament to really mission-driven work and doing something that you're so passionate about that you just like ooze excitement about it. And I think people want to be a part of that, right? Because they can tell that you're doing it for a greater purpose, something that is greater than yourself. And again, you've built this credibility. So I, I say that because one of the reasons why women have such a hard time raising money and why female founders are so underfunded is because we don't have those existing connections to private equity, to venture capital. Um, we don't, you know, we most of the time don't, don't have those things. And when you don't have those things and you're cold pitching investors, what is the one thing that replaces those connections? Well, credibility and trust. Cause what is a connection with somebody? What does a personal connection with somebody mean? It means they ha- it means they trusted in you. It means they know you. They trust you. They trust you with their money, right? So establishing finding ways to establish that credibility, creative ways, you know, scrappy ways to establish that cre- that credibility is the thing that helped me raise money when I didn't know that there was money there to be raised. I just set out to build the thing that I that I knew needed to exist in the world. So that's a little bit of a story about our, about our friends and family raise. Um, and since then, you know, we have continued to build our product. Um, and now we're going out and raising a more institutional round, which to your question, you know, is a different, is a different ball game. It's a different game to raise money from your friends and family who are potentially happy with 
a distribution check here and there a couple of years down the road versus a you know a, a credentialed professional angel investor or angel investing syndicate or venture capital firm which which is looking for the big exit. So this is another big missing piece for female founders is this exposure to understanding how this world of investing works. You know, who has ever sat you down mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. told you yep. how to, you know, how to understand your business model, whether it appeals to this this group or that group, you know, how to raise money, how to speak to those different groups. So it is um maybe you'll see down the line uh, a, 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 something else coming from me about about this topic because it's it is it is such a gap and the stats are horrifying <laughs> for the amount of money that women get you know in in venture capital funding i think in 2020 it was 2.2% wow of, mm-hmm. of all venture yeah. capital went to, went to female founded businesses so some something's happening something's wrong there and mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot you know that we need to fix it but again you know my sort of view on these things is it's it, is that there's so much education that's needed and that's not to say that it puts the the onus and the fault on women because of course we know that that's not true but it's it's a really important way to to change those stats around for us to understand this market and 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 the mechanics of how this works incredible story and so much admiration for you Nicole and as i watch you speak and of course our listeners can't see your beautiful face and your beautiful energy and enthusiasm but i i just think that I can see why you're successful because you have such authenticity and such um, passion, genuine passion for the mission that's driving what you're doing here. And it just really comes through. Mm -hmm. So I I just want to say that because I think that that's probably part of your, I know you're a very hard worker as well, but part of your secret sauce and what draws people to your mission is that you so clearly believe in it with every inch of your being. And so I, I just love seeing that. And I have to call that out. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to just be right back. I'm going to go have a quick cry. And then I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. And, you know, to your point of sharing those authentic stories at the very beginning about what you were doing, I mean, that's why that your friends and family were like, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to bet on her. Mm-hmm. She's doing great things, and and this is needed. So, we've covered so much here. One last point that we want to cover before we get into our lightning round is um, talk to us about your team behind Capri. Oh my gosh, this is such a cool topic. You know, I I always say that being CEO, being founder and CEO of my company, is my absolute dream job. You know, I am. There's nothing that lights me up more than doing absolutely everything in my company. It it is it is so much fun. I am somebody who is a strategic thinker. I enjoy the high-level thinking and I enjoy seeing the whole whole thing from above and being the orchestrator of all the things. Now, of course, as a founder, I'm also the doer of all the things right now. That won't be forever, but I also enjoy that. Um, but building a team is something that you really don't hear much about when it comes to women building companies. You know, oftentimes when we hear the stories of successful female leaders, it's way after the fact. All the messy stuff is behind them. They are able to just like, you know, Amen. cleanly and clearly articulate like this this beautiful sort of storyline of how they got to where they were. And, you know, because they're not in the hard stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah. building a team build, it is building a company. Your your company, your product is the people that, that is behind it. Um, that's the people power, you know? And so... Um, I am obsessed with my team and I love talking about this because you know when I s- first set out to to build my team I didn't do it all at once um but I think the most important thing to say here is that I shopped from my first degree network my entire team and there are five folks five incredible human beings on my team they are all people that I know personally because who the heck else is going to trust you on this crazy roller coaster of a journey than somebody who knows you already? Again, like going back to this thing of trust and credibility, um, y- you know, for me, shopping from my first degree network and people who I had, most of the people on my team I have worked with before. I've like poached them from all of my, like the cemetery that is my, you know, past work environments. Um, 
So we knew each other on that kind of working level. And that has been absolutely incredible. Um, everybody who has been with me since the beginning is still with me. Um, and, and I think that speaks a lot to the trust that we have in each other and, um, that, that, that really that relationship that, that we have already built. So yes, my team is about half men and half women. And I joked that in the beginning of Capri, you know, the, the very first thing that I did, and I do recommend this for, for, any entrepreneur. Um, I joined an accelerator program. That was incredible, you know, for me. And I used to to laugh and joke that this accelerator program had really uh, three, three wonderful men who ran the program and two of which became advisors in my company. And one of which is still a very active advisor in in my company. And I used to laugh like, I'm building this like overtly feminist company. <laughs> and here I am sitting across the table from three white men who are, you know, and okay, so there's that, but who just sat across the table from me and said, how can we help? Mm-hmm. How can we help? What can we do? What can we do to support you? And that was, I, I think that that was like a little, you know, if you're into what I'm into and energetics mm-hmm. in the universe, that, that was a little, an, a very interesting gift from the universe because oftentimes, and of course we could go on an hours long tangent about this, about, about feminism and feminist theory, but oftentimes the, you know, the, the sort of fear around feminism is like, it's about, you know, the hatred of men and leaving men out. And for me, um, well, of course we know that that's not, that's just not true, but for me, it was actually incredible to have allies in exactly. in the men, you know, and that was that was unbelievable and so beautiful and what a beautiful um, gift that they gave to me and of course it was mutual right because I was teaching them from my perspective and they were teaching me from their perspective and what more could we want out of life than that um, so that was really a, a very funny time because for the first two years that I was that I that Capri existed it was me one male employee and three male advisors. <laughs> and that and it, that was the team. It wasn't until the beginning of 2020 that I that I was ready to bring on more team members. And then of course we diversified our team, you know, gender-wise. Um, and we're still working on, you know, growing our team and being very cognizant of bringing in as diverse of perspectives as we possibly can that we are very clear that, and I think we all know this by now, that um, diversity in all areas makes us so much stronger, makes us so much more creative, makes us so much more successful. Um, so that is something that is a constant a constant journey and a constant mission. And, you know, when you, when you, um, when you shop from your first degree network for folks on your team, you are you are confronted with who your first degree network is made up of, right? And so that's a learning experience. Like mm, yeah. a, as a white woman, as a privileged white woman, what does my network mostly look like? Me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and so we have we have a lot of work to do around that, right? We including myself, including my team, and we're very committed to to that. Um, in in and it's not just about who we bring on to our immediate team. It's about the vendors that we hire. It's about the third-party folks that we work with. It's about the interns that we bring in. It's about the advisors that we have. So we've really started to, with every single person that we engage with as a company, have really tried to um, be extremely mindful about ensuring that we are making diversity a top priority in, in every sense of the word because we know how deeply important that is for so many reasons. That is so wise. Don't write anybody off because, and you know, I think it's really popular and somewhat humorous nowadays to say, you know, oh, the old white guys and and sort of in a dismissive way, because in a lot of ways they have held so much power in, in culture for such a long time. However, then you're just, you're taking the same mindset of us versus them and you're just shifting it to somebody else. Right. And the real diverse way of thinking is to just throw 
to chuck all that and to just try to embrace everybody and see who has the talents and the skills that fill out your team in the different ways that you need. Um, so I, I think that was really wise of you to share that. Thank you. Absolutely. And and the reality is uh, those are the people that you want as allies because if they are in positions of decision-making power, you want those people lifting other people up that look like us, yes. right? So mm-hmm. absolutely. So yeah, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, thank you so much for bringing your whole self to the conversation because that last piece right there, it's not easy for everyone to admit those things and become vulnerable with other people about those things. So thank you so much for doing that with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we have this fun little segment mm-hmm. called the lightning round <laughs> where we just like to ask a few questions. We get to know you more on a personal level and they're really fun. So we hope that you're excited to, to take part in it with us. I'm ready. Let's get it. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. I'll start off with what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, singer. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. That was my child. That was my child. This is lightning around, but that was my childhood dream. If you ask me, me what too. I wanted to be as a kid. I like that. Start a band. Awesome. Let's get a little duet going yeah, here, ladies. We should. We should. Maybe that's a different show. We need a different yes. show for that. Um, that's awesome. What three pieces of advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, how much time do we? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say lean into the messy stuff. You know, that's that's where the lessons come from. Lean, embrace the mess of being young, and the screw ups and the trips and the falls and falling on your face. Embrace that and know that it's for a higher purpose. Um, know that. Know that you're your path is not going to be linear. No, just, just know that. <laughs> just know that going into life. Your path mm-hmm. is not going to be linear. Um, I think the most important one is I would tell my younger self to follow what brings me joy and that the things that bring me joy are my intuition trying to communicate to me and give me a blueprint for, for a very happy life. How do you define success? Mm. Health. Health in every sense of the word. Health in every sense of the word. Yeah. What is the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Uh, I ate river clams in a very sketchy restaurant in mainland China once. Oh, wow. How did that work out? They definitely had sand in them. So I also Mm. ate the sand. (laughs) (laughs) What celebrity would you cast to play you in a movie? Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Okay. Kate Hudson. Okay. Only because I want to yeah. be Kate Hudson. Is that how that question works? Don't we all. <laughs> <laughs> Who yes. doesn't want to be Kate, Kate Hudson? Awesome. All righty, ladies. Um, what is something about you, Nicole, that people would be surprised to know? Oh, I I think they would would be surprised to know how much of an of an introvert I am. Um, I'm a I'm a homebody. I'm a nester. I'm a cancer, man. I like to be most of the work that I do for Capri. I like to, you know, I like to be like wrapped in a blanket on my couch with a cup of tea next to me. Like I, it's, I really need a very calm, serene nest environment to be my most creative. I I like to then go out into the world and play and I'm kind of an extroverted introvert, but I always have to come back and have my like very safe sanctuary nest. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I'm my most creative in that safe space. Love to be out around people, yes. but then when I want to create, I just want to be on my own at home. What myth about women in STEM would you like to dispel? That we have been sold a lie that men and women are wildly biologically different. Wildly different. That there are so many differences between nature, you know, natural differences between men and women. We are more the same than we know, and we're capable of so much, just as much, um, if not more. And um, yeah, that would be that, 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 that. That's a lie. That that It's that us versus them othering, you know, kind of thing that mm-hmm. is, and, and that's just not true. We're, mm, yeah. So well yeah. said. Uh-huh. What is a funny mistake that you made when you were starting out? Oh my gosh, oh, I've I made have made so so many mistakes. I guess the biggest 
mistake, and I continue to make this mistake, is um, I just I people always say I want to boil the ocean, like I want to do everything. I want to do I. I want to do everything under the sun. The mission couldn't be, you know, be bigger. People told me that in high school and college that I, that I just want to boil the ocean. I want, I want to do everything. So probably in the beginning, I I think what I said, I think the first iteration of Capri, I said, my target market is age four to 24. And everybody was like, Nicole, (laughs) (laughs) go home. And Think about how you're going to build a product that caters, an initial product that caters to ages 4 to 24. So yeah, but boiling the ocean is is the mistake that I have made and continue to make. All right. Fill in the blank. Blank like a girl. Lead like a girl. Lead in the way that only women can. Love it. Lead like Nicole Hartwig with energy and enthusiasm and passion and a big heart. Yes, (laughs) Yes, definitely. Again, Nicole, you've been awesome. We've loved your energy. We've loved everything you shared with us. So excited to have had you here. Again, capri.money if you want to sign up and and try out the beta. I'm going to tell my three daughters after we're done here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good. Please help us spread the WeGraph mission of supporting women and girls in emerging tech and science. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WeGetRealAF. And visit our website at www.WeGetRealAF.com. Don't forget to like, comment, and to subscribe to the podcast. We also want to give a big shout out and thanks to Sam McLean for providing sound production for the show. You can find Sam on Instagram at McLean Sounds, that's M-C-L-E-A-N-S-O-U-N-D-S, and to our voiceover artist, Veronica Horta, for her show introduction. You can find Veronica on LinkedIn by searching for Veronica Horta, H-O-R-T-A. We'll meet you back here next time for another great conversation about high tech with cool women.